Well, I had intended to start a new message series this morning, but decided to continue the series on faith for one more week, and I've entitled the message today, Worst Ever. And uh, it seems like as we, we have, as a country have been walking through several weeks of the worst ever kinds of tragedies and catastrophes, uh, we watched as the weather forecasters predicted the worst ever hurricanes and flooding in Texas and Louisiana and Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Cuba, Haiti, and Florida, and the images of people walking through waist-high and sometimes chest-deep uh, waters, pictures of homes destroyed, uh, flooded the media. And then we woke up this last Monday to discover a Las Vegas country music concert had become the scene of the worst-ever uh, mass shooting this past Sunday evening. It was a devastating and senseless tragedy, 58 killed. There are something like 87 people still in critical condition, hundreds of people wounded. And the images and the stories that have come out of that um, event are heartbreaking. And there are tragedies and losses around us that don't make national or world headlines. These are the kinds of things that challenge our faith. But there are also the times when we become united around faith as a source of hope and strength. In fact, people who aren't all that religious are encouraging others on Facebook and social media to, to pray for the victims. Television anchors acknowledge that they're praying. The president quotes scripture and calls for prayer. Every time there is devastation and suffering, we also see people turning to faith in God. Tragedy is an opportunity for faith to take center stage as a, as a source of strength and of hope. And, of course, uh, tragedy and devastating losses have, are not something new, are they? There have been uh, heartbreaking events throughout history, and that was true in Jesus' day as well. So today we're going to look at a story of one of those losses and then how the uh, Jesus' followers responded to that and how we as followers of Jesus can respond in times of tragedy. And this story is found in Acts 7, 54 through 8, 4. It's the story of the stoning of Stephen. And Stephen was one of uh, those who were chosen to administer the food program in the church early on when they were having some, some problems. And he was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit and power as well. He, he did great miracles. And he, when he spoke, he spoke very convincingly. And so he attracted some negative attention from those who were opposed to the spread of the gospel. He was arrested and brought before the Jewish council. And chapter 7 is basically Stephen's speech, kind of outlaying the history of the Israelite people. And he shows that from the time of Moses all the way down to the present generation that they had been uh, disobedient people and that like their ancestors who had disobeyed God and killed the prophets uh, they had disobeyed God and killed God's son the Messiah which if you can imagine didn't go very well with the Jewish leaders so yeah we want to look at that we're going to start with their response in verse 54 chapter 7 so it says when the members of the Sanhedrin which is made up of Sadducees and Pharisees Heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. Anybody a good 
teeth gnasher. All right, they're just there. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, which the rest of Acts goes on to tell his story. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that great day, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So Stephen was described as a man who was full of God's grace. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of faith. In other words, he was full up with the fullness of God. And there was no indication that there was anything about Stephen worthy of stoning. Yet God, some, uh, for some reason, allowed that to happen. And being a Christian doesn't exempt us from suffering. The reality of life is that we live in a fallen world, polluted with, uh, populated by fallen people who make fallen choices. And when people choose to go their own way, others get hurt. And we've seen that played out this last week because of one man's insane choices. Moms and dads lost their adult children. Uh, Husbands lost their wives. Wives lost their husbands. Life throws rocks. And we triumph over tragedy by trusting that God knows and cares about us, that, that God is already acting to help us, and that he will somehow bring good out of evil. And as we read this account of Stephen's uh, death, it's immediately apparent that Luke sees one, at least one event that came out of that that was good. Because of his death uh, and the persecution that followed that, believers began to take the gospel out to places where it hadn't been taken before. Um, verse 4 says, The believers who fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, when he, before he ascended, he, he told them to take the gospel from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That wasn't happening. They were keeping it to themselves there in Jerusalem. But after Stephen's death, uh, then they began to take it out. And as a result, people who didn't even know Stephen found Jesus and had their lives changed because of his death. God is always at work to bring good out of evil. And this morning, as we finish this series on faith, I, I want to talk about how we as people of faith uh, can be used by God to bring good out of the evil that we see around us. And so in your message notes, we're going to look at three ways to exercise faith during tragedy. And the first uh, is to pray. Whenever there's a tragedy, whether it's on a national level or in our own community, one of the first things that we turn to, that we think of, is prayer. Uh, If it's someone we know, we put them on the prayer chain, we pray for them in church. If it's national tragedies like the hurricanes and these mass shootings in Las Vegas, then the country turns to prayer. 
And you see posts on Facebook like pray for Houston and pray for Las Vegas. And those are great ways to remind people uh, to pray. But have you ever wondered if the people posting them are actually praying? <laughs> that uh, there are so many lives who have been turned upside down. We, 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 they need actual prayer. Prayer makes a, a difference. And in your message notes, I've listed some specific ways that we can pray during tragedy. The first is to pray for the victims, to ask for healing for those who are survivors and comfort for the loved ones of those who have been killed. We ask God to bring not only physical and emotional healing, but um, healing of hearts and minds. We pray for God's presence and his peace. Uh, then we want to pray for churches that are ministering to the people that are uh, around them. In Texas, and Florida, Puerto Rico, I was reading uh, one church in Houston still uh, several weeks later it are serving 150 people a day, food and water and cleaning supplies uh, as they're recovering from this. And um, so we want to also pray that they would have an open window for the gospel and these opportunities as people are coming into their church for supplies to also uh, have a chance to, for them to speak about Jesus. And then we want to pray for military and police, people who are protecting property and, and assisting people in the recovery efforts. We want to pray, pray for all those who responded to this uh, tragic shooting and their hearts have got to be breaking the things that they've seen. Um, and civilian responders, those who are taking care of the people, the wounded in the hospitals, and and um, for people like Dave and Jan's son who are uh, restoring power in these areas. Keep the civilian responders in our prayers as well. Pray for resources. Um, there's so many people that have been struck by these hurricanes. It's just... Uh, the need for resources is unimaginable. So we, we pray for those who are without resources, and we want to pray for our country and our world. Clearly, our world is not what God intended, and so we pray to him to make things right. So one of the first things that we do is prayer. Uh, people of faith pray. Then the second way we can respond is to put our faith in action. And, you know, we need to pray. That's the basis. That's the starting place. We, we need uh, to, to be seeking God's provision. But we also need to act on what God calls us to do in response to the needs that we see. I was thinking about Jonah. What if he had said, you know, I, I really feel bad about things, the way things are going in Nineveh. I don't actually want to go. And that's what he actually said. But um, what if he said, I'll just post a mem and encourage people to pray, right? You know, and just uh, pray for Nineveh, you know? And then he didn't actually go. Uh, and God wanted Jonah to do something, so much so that he ended up in a whale, right? So what, what's the saying? Don't be like Jonah. <laughs> Don't end up in a whale. So the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us that Faith without action is not really faith at all. It says in, in James two seventeen, in the same way, faith by itself, it's not if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. One of the really uh, strengths of the United Methodist Church is that we are involved in responding to tragedies around the world, 
And here in the United States, we send teams, like the team that Janice is a part of, um, and help people, hands-on. Uh, we, we do the work of removing debris and sticking up tarps and all these kinds of things. We offer practical help, but also bring the presence of Christ that reminds people that God hasn't forgotten them, that we, through, uh, through us, God is able uh, to, to communicate his love to them. And it, like I said earlier, if some of you want to know about that training, just talk to Janice or myself, and we'll get you connected with that. Then you see in your bulletin, uh, the baseline youth are collecting uh, the contents for flood buckets that will be sent to those areas that have been hit by the hurricane. And um, on the back of your message notes is a list of the items that go in that bucket. You don't need to pack a whole bucket. In fact, um, we were talking to the director of Wesley Woods, and he asked that we don't pack them because they have to unpack them and make sure that everything's in there. Um, but one of the things that we always encourage the small groups to do is find a way to be in mission while they're uh, also studying about Jesus. And so this would be a great way for your small group to do that. You could divide this list up and provide one bucket or two buckets, whatever you can do. Uh, if you can't buy a whole bucket worth of stuff, maybe you want to buy garbage bags or insect repellent or whatever on that list. You can bring that stuff to the church, and the kids will make sure that it gets delivered to Wesley Woods. Um, they're going to be over there helping Wesley Woods unpack some of the best buckets and repack them. Um, but that's one way that you can help. And you can also... Um, I don't know. Does it say in the bulletin? Abby's in charge of that. I didn't really look. Um, we'll have Abby at least a couple weeks, I know. But um, And then you can donate online or here in worship. There's information about that in the bulletin. Christians find ways to help when tragedy strikes. All right. And then the third way that we can respond is to be an agent of hope. But keep reminding people of the good news of the gospel. You know, country music is known for its sad songs about dying dogs and girlfriends leaving. But this week's events are beyond sad. It's hard to sing when fences become stretchers and pickup trucks become ambulances. And in the midst of life tragedies, whether they're national worst ever scale or a personal worst thing that's ever happened to me because of our faith, we have hope. And we can pass that hope on to others. I saw, saw several pictures this week of a memorial that had been set up uh, behind the welcome sign in Las Vegas there. And they set up 58 crosses, one for each of the uh, persons who had um, died in that massacre. And it's the kind of thing that we expect, right, uh, when these kinds of things happen. But in a way, if you think about it, it's kind of strange. Uh, this great tragedy happens, this tragic loss of life, and then people go and they put little miniature models of a Roman execution stake on a spot where a tragedy occurred. Imagine if someone were to put a little guillotine or a, a tiny electric chair at the scene of a loss. People would think, you know, you're nuts, you're crazy. But we place crosses in memorials like this because they symbolize two things. The first is, one, that there's been a great 
great tragedy occurred. Uh, we've suffered a great loss, and the, the cross symbolizes that because of Jesus' death and suffering on the cross. Uh, it was such a tragedy of unfathomable proportions, and the cross has come to represent to us great suffering and loss. But the cross also represents great hope. Uh, we place crosses because we have faith. We believe that God can bring good out of tragedies and trials and losses. And through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God took the greatest tragedy of all time, the crucifixion of his son, and he brought about the greatest victory. Because God raised Christ from the dead, the cross is a symbol for us of hope, proclaiming victory when we don't yet see it. It says this isn't the end of the story. There, there's more to come. It's a dark time. It's, it's, you know, it's Saturday. We're walking through the darkness of Saturday, but Sunday is coming. And in the midst of life's trials and tragedies and losses, we experience hope. We experience peace and, and have hope because we know there's something better coming. And together, you and I, as people of faith, can respond by spreading that hope and that good news of the gospel to others, pointing people to Jesus and reminding them of the hope that's ours through faith in Jesus Christ. And I've put a few scriptures there at the bottom of your message notes. Maybe you know somebody who, who needs a, a note of encouragement this week, who's going through a loss, can include one of those scriptures. I thought we would end today by reading the first one, the words of Jesus, recorded in John sixteen thirty-three. Let's read these together. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Loving God, I um, come before you with these people gathered here, and and we want to pray this morning for um, all the families who lost loved ones this last week, and um, for those who are recovering or in the hospital and for everyone who was there and went through that horrific event, God, and, and are trying to deal with the memories from it. And we pray that a great good would come out of this somehow, that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you and turn to you and um, that they would find their recovery in you, Jesus, and that they would find life in you. We thank you that you've overcome the grave and that um, we have the hope of heaven. And we pray for those, God, who have um, passed and asked for your, um, your mercy towards them. And we pray, God, for us as a church that you'll help us to be people who respond when there's hurt. And we do that so well locally. Help us, God, to do it on a more global level as well. And help us to be people with hearts that hurt for others, uh, that respond when we see needs. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.